Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Good dismiss the children, the children's choir, and children's church at this time. And you can be dismissed. And we pray God's blessing on you as you continue to worship and learn together. My uh, friend Dave Peterson back there is an accomplished artist. And uh, he has uh, graced me with some uh, pictures, paintings I have in my office. One day Dave came in my office and handed me a picture and said, this is a scene from Israel that I took a picture of and I decided to paint it. If you can tell me where it is, you can have it. <laughs> well, I looked at it, I knew right away where it was. I, I recognized it right away because it just happened to be one of my favorite places uh, in Israel. And it was the synagogue in Capernaum. The synagogue in Capernaum is uh, actually the ruins, uh, the, the synagogue. Uh, you go in there, there's no roof, of course, it's just the pillars, but the bench, it was the benches I recognized along the side, and Dave is sitting there, it's a self-portrait a little bit too. And uh, this, this synagogue is built on top of the one that Jesus actually ministered in. That was his home, that was his home base when he was ministering in Galilee. And that synagogue was destroyed, but the next one that was built was built on the same foundation, uh, same floor pattern right above it. So it's very similar. So it's one of my favorite places to go and sit there on the benches on the side and just meditate on this up there in Galilee. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6 this morning, before we receive and share communion together, it says uh, at verse 59, at the, at the end of the section, actually we want to just spend a few moments in before we share in the bread and the cup. It says in verse 59, he said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. And again, this is his home base of his ministry where he returns to and many events take place in the synagogue in Capernaum. The interesting thing is, this chapter begins in chapter 6, verse 1. We're not going to take time to read all this, but if you have a heading in your Bible or you just kind of peruse it, you'll see that the first 14 verses take place in Galilee, where it says, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great a crowd of people followed him. And this is the setting for the uh, wonderful account of Jesus feeding the 5,000 with the bread and fishes on the shores of Galilee, up on the hillside up there where you go and visit, of course, uh, as well today. This starts up there, and then Jesus crosses the Sea of Galilee. In verse 16, we have the story as he sets off across the lake for Capernaum. So he's, 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 he's up in the Galilee on the eastern side. He sets across for the lake of, sets across the lake of, for Capernaum. It was dark and they had not yet joined him. Then we have the story of Jesus walking in the water. And then we have the people on the opposite side of the shore who come and find him. And then we have the discourse on the bread of life. And then we have him teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. So we transport all this area up there in Galilee and the Sea of Galilee that all this takes place. It's also worth noting that you'll notice in verse 4, the Jewish Passover feast was near. So this locates this in the church calendar, in the Jewish calendar, 
at the time, the springtime uh, today would be late March, early April, as the time of the Feast of Passover. So that's the context. It's the Feast of Passover, one of the most important Jewish feasts, the most important spring feast. As they gather to remember their uh, freedom from, ex- from, uh, uh, from Egypt in the Exodus, the giving of the bread in the desert, the story of the lamb and the, and the unleavened bread that they ate all takes place during Passover. So it's in this context. When Jesus has fed the masses, he's crossed the water, he's come back, and we have in uh, verse 25, Rabbi, when did you get here? And he begin this discourse. And he begins to talk to them about bread because they had just eaten this miraculous abundance of bread. And they asked him in verse 30, What miraculous sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers, again in the context of Passover, eating the bread, our forefathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. And we're even in transition here a little bit. From physical bread, from manna and physical bread, the feeding of the 5,000, and all of a sudden we have the true bread. It was my Father who gave you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said, Sir, from now on, give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. So we have this transition here of this account of, as we saw this morning in Sunday school, the story of Nicodemus, where he, where he begins this, this discussion with being born again. And we go from the physical to the spiritual. And we have this account of the bread. And all of a sudden now he's talking about true bread from heaven and the bread that satisfies. And then he, then he makes this bold I am statement. We were looking at the I am statements of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I am the bread of life. And the person who comes to me will never go hungry. And if you believe in me, you will never be thirsty. And so we also include here the nourishment of water as well, or the drink as well. And we begin this discourse here that Jesus has on the bread of life. And they begin to grumble in verse 41 as he talks about that that God has sent him and God has drawn those to him who he will and this talk about my father and the bread of life and eternal life. And they, and they begin to grumble about him because he said in verse 41, he says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Isn't this Jesus? He's the son of Joseph. We, fought, we know his father. We know his mother. And in their case, they say they, we know his brothers and his sisters. How can he say I came down from heaven? So this, this wonderful I am statement that I am the bread of life. And we're going to come today and share the bread and the cup together. And if you are with us today and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are welcome to share in the bread and cup. This is not for members of Brian Bible Church. This is for those who know Christ as Savior. If you belong to the church, the body of Christ. And we will serve this a little bit later to you and ask you to share in this with us. 
But it's in this context of this bread of life that all of a sudden this discussion, like we saw last week, as Jesus begins to probe, he begins to question, he begins to challenge, the discussion kind of gets difficult. What might be rather simple, the, the bread of life, the manna from heaven, I am the, man, I am the manna from heaven, the new bread of life, it begins to get a little difficult. And, they, and, they, and Jesus says, stop grumbling among yourselves, verse 43. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. I will raise him up at the last day. As it is written, the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. He who believes is everlasting life. I am the bread of life. And he connects himself with this one who has come from the Father. Wait a minute, we know him. He was born in Galilee. He was in Jerusalem, but he grew up in Nazareth. We know his father and his mother. What is this talk about coming from heaven and, and, this, and, and the bread of life and knowing God? And, and, and Who is this? Because he said, I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. And I want you to notice this conversation. And this, you know, we know how it turns out. We know a lot of the, the things that are being focused on here. But put yourself in the context of these, hearing this for the first time. This is a difficult conversation. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, verse 51. If a man eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh. I will give it for the life of the world. Now we know how that turns out, right? We know, but it's interesting. He uses the word flesh here. Later on, when we talk in the, later in the Gospels at the Last Supper, he talks about this, this bread is my body. It's a different word that's given for you. He's using the word flesh here because we're talking about flesh and spirit, but he's looking ahead. He says, this, this is my flesh. I will give it for the life of the world. And he began to grumble again. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? This is a strange conversation, right? And it's getting a little bit stranger, a little bit different for them. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. He's just really pounding his home, isn't he? This is a difficult conversation. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Our forefathers ate manna and died. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever. And he's talking in the synagogue, in the synagogue, in Capernaum, telling them this very difficult imagery for them to grasp and understand. In fact, it's so difficult. We see in verse 60 that many disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Who can accept it? And this is a larger group of disciples, and many will begin leaving him as he talks this way. As we come today to communion, and we talk about the I am the bread of life. I think it's important to see it in the context 
of where it comes from in this very, very difficult, difficult account here of the bread of life. The story of, of Moses, you know, the, the, the Jews believed that the Messiah who was to come would once again bring, some of them believe he would bring manna from heaven again. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. What do you make of this? Eat my flesh, drink my blood, and receive eternal life. Well, it's interesting. In verse 53 and in 54, in verse 53 where he says, I tell you the truth, whoever, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. The tense of this verb, eat, is what we call the aorist tense in the Greek, which means it's, it's a one-time action. Unless you do this, unless you make this decision and do this, you will not have no, you will have no life in you. And then he says, whoever eats, you notice in the English, it's, it's the S on it, whoever eats my flesh. And here the tense changes to an ongoing, the verb means continues to eat. Whoever continues to eat my flesh and drink my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. What is he talking about? Well, of course, some have taken that and transitioned the thought that when we take what we call communion, that we are literally eating the blood and, and body of Jesus and drinking his blood again when it's consecrated. We don't believe that here. We don't believe that it changes into anything, but it does represent something. And it helps us as it represents something to worship and consider this. This is difficult. But is it really that difficult? Is it that? Don't we use language like that all the time? Come on. Have you ever heard statements like this? I'm going to devour that book. You ever eaten a book? Huh? You've never eaten a book. How about drink in a lecture? Have you ever drunk a lecture? How about, boy, they really swallow that hook, line, and sinker. Any of you swallowed a hook, line, and sinker? Have any of you ever bitten somebody's head off? That's kind of gross, right? Bite your head off. Swallow the tail, to ruminate or to chew over on something that was said. Or I've heard some people say to a little baby or little child, I could just eat you up. (laughs) That's kind of gross, right? (laughs) But you know what we're talking about. This language has to do with really taking something in, really giving it consideration, really participating in it. And as the Lord Jesus Christ, after he gives this very difficult discourse, at the end of it when they say, Lord, this is really hard to understand, and they're grumbling about it. And look what Jesus says in verse 61. Does this offend you? Does this offend you? Are you offended by this? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? And then we see the transition here. He's not talking about physically eating his body and drinking his blood. But his body and blood are going to be given. And a decision at some point when you hear that will have to be made, looking to the future, about participating in that. 
And he says here, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning which of them did not believe and would betray him. And notice verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. This was a tough discussion. But he's talking about something spiritual here. And he's talking about more than the physical. You know, when you consider bread, the bread of life, if somebody puts before you a meal and bread, you have to admit, you can, you can admire it, you can talk about it, you can write about it, you can do anything you want, but it does you no good until you eat it. You have to eat it. No one can eat by proxy for you. And you have to continue to eat in order to be nourished and continue to grow. As we come today and to celebrate the bread and the cup, and we do so in our tradition as a time of remembrance and worship, communion, to commune with our Lord Jesus Christ. And we do so with this in mind, that we have eaten of this bread by accepting Christ as our Savior. We continue to eat of our Lord Jesus Christ by continuing to think about Him, to fellowship with Him, to consider His Word, to be challenged by His Word, to teach His Word, and to share His love. We continue to eat and to drink in the Word of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning as we share this cup, I'm going to ask our elders to come at this time and we share this bread. As we do so, is the time for us spiritually to be nourished and to do this together and to be reminded that Jesus is the bread of our life. He is what sustains us. He is what gives us hope. He is what has provided salvation. He has provided eternal life. He is, I am, the bread of life. And we're going to pass the bread to you and ask that you would just hold it for a moment. And we are going to share the bread together as a family of God. The night our Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed. And as he gathered with his disciples and he, and he said to them, For this Passover I have with great desire, desired to eat this with you. This was very important. And he took that bread and he broke it and he passed it around to each of them. And when he did so, he, he said to them, this, this bread, this bread is my body given for you. When you do this, you'll do it in remembrance of me. And those disciples that were there were the ones who stayed with him during that difficult discourse on the bread and the flesh and the blood, and it begins to come together. And he says, my life is going to be given for you. And so friends, as we eat this bread, we do this continually. We continue to eat it. And I want you just to be reminded, and I want to be reminded that I need to, and you need to continually be nourished by God, by Christ, continually to be in his word, continually to contemplate what he has done for us and what he would have us to do. When we do this, 
Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for these few moments that we can once again join the multitudes across this world and across the millennium who have taken time to worship you and commune with you by allowing the bread and the cup to simply remind us of the price paid for our salvation, the nourishment for our souls, and the hope that we can continue to walk with you and walk in the light of your word and the light of your presence as we continue to share in your life as members of the church the body, the body of Christ, with Christ as our head and we as the body. We give you thanks this day in Christ's name. Amen. So before we have our closing song today, one thing we would like to do is we'd like to take a offering for our helping fund, our benevolent fund, we call it. It's just at the board's discretion to use to help with various needs. Um, and so today we would like to receive this offering um, as a congregation. If you're able to give uh, to our uh, helping fund, we ask that you uh, could do so. You can also do so online and you can also do so on any Sunday. You can designate it as such. And so I'd like to ask the ushers to uh, come forward if they are there. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll tell you what we're going to do. Okay. We're going to have our closing song. And then I will make sure that the ushers put the offering plates in the back. There's a table there, a table there, and a table there. And if you would like to make a gift to that uh, offering to our benevolent fund, would you just put it in there? And we will make sure it goes to that account. Okay? Let's do that. And uh, Gary's going to go back there and make sure it happens, right? All right. <laughs> Cut the ushers off guard. <laughs> Amen. I always like to look at the publisher at the end of the song. Thank you, music, was the publisher of that song. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us, your love, mercy, grace, compassion. Thank you for coming and sharing this service. Again, if you'd like to make a gift to our helping fund, you can do so. The plates are out there. God bless you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to come to worship, to gather, to sing your praises, to rejoice in the hope of salvation and forgiveness for sins. And we pray, Lord, that all of us will seek your face this day and that we will seek to be nourished by allowing your word and your presence to strengthen our lives each day. Each day as we arise, may we nourish ourselves from your word, from prayer, and fellowship with you. And may that nourishment spread to those around as we share your good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, live lives that represent you and walk in the Holy Spirit in this week to come. We pray this in Christ our Savior's name. Amen.